Live from the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company. All right, here we go. Thursday, that means it's Silver 7's day. So we're down here across from the uh, William Hill Sportsbook watching a lot of baseball. Masters as well. First round of the Masters going on, so we'll get into that. Ari is back in our Finley Toyota Studios. we got hockey to get into with Adam Hill in a matter of minutes. I feel like trying to talk Masters on the show is a, I'm not going to say a waste of time, because I have some interest in it, but Von Tobel yesterday, he's so stuck on the millennial versus the boomers that really love the Masters. So he can't get past that. He bets it, but he you know he bets without. It's it's a, it's you know it's an unemotional deal. Sure. Um, and he was he was kind of along your lines, like when you hear about the azaleas and the beginning of spring, you're like, oh. scenery sucks. Uh, I know for you, you've always been disturbed by what the Masters represents outside of golf. Oh, of course. And it's hard to watch a sporting event where that's that's always on the their back of your mind. Um, right now, uh, the favorites have gotten off to rough starts. Dustin Johnson. And Jordan Spieth are both plus two. Uh, pretty much everyone's on the course. Uh, they're, they're, they're a bunch of guys who are in. Uh, Matsuyama is three under. He's in second right now behind Justin Rose, who just went to four under. John Rahm, a popular pick. I think he was 12 to one going into the tournament. He's finished. He's even. Shalfley's even. So a bunch of dudes still on the course. Uh, Marikawa, and Vegas guy now. Um, He's even through nine, and then there's a ton of people at plus one who are finished, but uh, we'll track how Dustin Johnson and Jordan Spieth, who seem to have turned around uh, his golf game in 2021, we'll track how they're doing uh, throughout the show today, and uh, we'll try to give you some live updates and odds from William Hill and the in-play wagering. Yeah, I'm, I'm checking out the guys that that I wagered on. <laughs> Uh, I think I'm scrolling down a little too far, so I'm going to give up right now and just pretend it didn't happen. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I think you're you're right. And, and when the tournament starts, is in particular like this opening day is when I'm I'm very uncomfortable. By Sunday, I'll be like, all right, let's just watch a golf tournament, um, especially if it's close and it's good and there's some competitive action on the course. I'll 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 try to watch it for what it is. But yeah, I mean, every year when it starts, you get this you know this weird uneasy feeling of. Yeah, there's a lot of tradition, but is the tradition good? Like, the tradition mostly is bad at that course and what it represents and what it stands for. And so, you know, if, if you want to be a, well, this is this is what, you know, golf is all about and this is the traditions of the Masters, and yeah, those, are, those are bad sometimes. Sometimes traditions are changed because they're not good. And in this case, it's very evident, and it's not hard to find all the awful things about the course and the club and those who run it and you know if, if you want to say it's you know way in the past uh, watch the tiger woods documentary right, billy payne scolding tiger woods for not representing golf the right way back in 2010 was one of the more gross things i've ever seen yeah we let you into our world black and asian man yeah how dare you you don't carry yourself like the rest of us old white dudes actually, who of course we have side pieces but no one finds out actually how dare you be just like us <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, how Where did you learn that womanizing from? <laughs> you, sir. I learned it from watching you. Yes. Uh, yeah. Our favorite PSA yes. ever. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, I mean, all those all those things that make the Masters 
what I think a lot of people embrace are really what should make people not watch it and not enjoy it and not pay attention. But again, I, I do that the first couple of days, and then by Sunday you're like, all right, this is a golf tournament. And we have to admit, it does suck that Tiger Woods, who did kind of you know shove it up the keister of the uh, Masters tradition and legend, you know, that was a very close course over the years. Uh, Tiger blew it up and also destroyed the course. He all, he 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 crushed the course to the point where they're like, this course sucks. We we have to we have to Tiger proof this thing. We have to PGA proof this thing. So he uh, you know he got that change going. Um, he's not playing because he's got the pulverized leg, which yeah. sucks. And you know. Those of us who like Tiger uh, want him to come back, want him to succeed. I would love to see him win another Masters, but right now he can't do it. Yeah, and I, I think that's what, you know, to me, it's why I almost had to bet this tournament. Because I was like, I need, you know, some <laughs> some interest in it because there's no Tiger. And, uh, yeah, when Tiger is competitive on Sunday, I'm all in. I am all in on it. I, I love it. But when he's not, and... Eh, I'm know, sorry, who did you wager on? Uh... I, I have Patrick Cantlay. Okay. And uh, Colin Smith. Why? Just uh, listen to a lot of handicappers break down and, and how they play the course well. And I uh, actually have a, a friend of mine that's coming into town who wanted to bet the golf, and we just kind of settled on, on them. Boy, you're right. I don't think they're off to a good start. Yeah. Because I am scanning down and down and down, my friend. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, it's not good. Uh, you also wagered on a baseball player. I know I was part of the betting process with you. I'm in a uh, fantasy baseball league with you, and uh, you wagered on Anthony Bass. Good I luck sure with that did. one. I sure did. Did you just hear what he did uh, at the end of the Mets game? I didn't hear. I, I was watching it. I'll have to get the highlight later on. Do you want to tell people down. what happened as they had a walk-off hit-by-pitch? Yeah, wonderful. Just load the bases, <laughs> hit somebody. At least, I mean, on the I guess on the positive side, a hit-by-pitch doesn't count against his whip. Um, that's something, I guess. Also, as you're that, That's talking, some hardcore uh, glass overflowing yeah. fantasy baseball analysis. Uh, as you're talking, uh, it actually it doesn't matter. The, all those stats don't matter. He just has to keep the job, and I don't know if he's going to. It's, keep the closer job. He's blown up twice already. They, they don't have a closer in Florida. It's kind of a by committee. He's the guy with the most experience and has closed out games, but Anthony Bass uh, is kind of unreliable. They wind up losing the game 3-2. They put together... You know, they had a starter go four and a third. They had, like, five other pitchers give up, what, one hit combined. So they went into the ninth with the lead, and then he blew it. Oh, it was wonderful. And, and then the men, on the side of the Mets, uh, we'll play the highlight for you later on. Ari's going to grab that for us. But it just came down, like, ten minutes ago. you got to hear it because the Mets announcers, I think it was Conforto at the plate. Conforto, a pitch comes inside. It's called a strike. I think it was called <laughs> a strike, and Conforto doesn't move. And I actually think he leaned in a little bit with the kind of the Bonds, uh, David Ortiz elbow pops off the elbow and the, the ump's like all right hit by pitch game over and even the Mets announcers like whoa okay that, he didn't move wonderful yep. uh, and by the way you just jinxed my team through proxy also because as you're as you decide to bring up my fantasy team uh john gray who had a no hitter into the sixth oh wow uh gives up a triple and then a single back to back these things happen yeah, uh, folks every time adam is in we'll give uh, his fantasy baseball team up you brought it up not me no nah, well i mean i I knew you had gotten him, and I, was, I thought it would be funny to tell you that. Well, if you didn't know it, know. Anthony Bass just blew it. And, uh, like you know, he's one of, like, I think there's probably 10 teams that have, like, a closer who's got the job 52%, and they're, they're very much up in the air to make it through maybe half the season as a closer. And uh, I thought that I had two that had pretty firm grips on the job, and I was like, well, if you have two closers, you pretty much got it locked down for at least, like, top three, top four in the category. 
and I think both will lose their job in the first week. So it's the most right. unpredictable job. And there's probably eight guys who can keep the job the whole year, maybe ten in all of baseball. Yeah. And, and a lot of teams won't. They, they've actually gone away from paying one guy, and they're like, let's just have five dudes left and right side who can throw hard. And, well, one of them will pick up like 18 saves this year. And I'm, I'm sure people you – know, I'm sure a lot of people play fantasy baseball, so they get it too. But if you do play fantasy baseball, you are very familiar with a site called Closer Monkey, which is – great at tracking in who has the job who uh, might have the job who might be next up for the job and uh, i think only uh, monkey. only like 11 jobs because they designate uh, a closer that doesn't have a firm grip on the job with an asterisk and i think only 11 teams didn't right. have an asterisk so off the top of my head i was in the range yeah and two of them were mine <laughs> and i think they might both lose their job like the oh two guys that had firm grips on the job might not have the job. I thought the Knights had a firm grip on moving forward here and uh, beating up on the Blues and what a, what a getting transition. a yeah getting a winning streak going. They kicked the crap out of St. Louis six to one the other night. Last night uh, they go kind of the Baylor basketball formula, just freaking shot, 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 shot. How many shots? I thought you were going to say the Lil John formula. There you go. That was good. Three wise men. Shot, 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 shot. Yeah. Uh, uh, what what happened? Because they, they got a lot of shots off, but they, they could not score. 51 shots. Wow. One goal. Jesus. That's uh, not a very high percentage. Uh, but they weren't. All, they also weren't great shots. Uh, you know, Bennington played really well. He hadn't played in the game before. Well, he did because he, uh, he came in in relief. But uh, played really well. Uh, made enough saves. But the Golden Knights didn't really put much pressure on him. Not much activity in front of the net. Uh, not much, you know, not much going toward the net. Uh, not really creative in the offensive zone, and uh, they paid the price, just peppering him with shots, but nothing really dangerous, and he just got to sit there and turn him away. Golden Knights really couldn't score. They give up three, and, uh, you know, an, uh, an ugly uh, ugly performance probably isn't right. Disappointing offensive performance in terms of what they were able to create, uh, but in the end, it's results, and how many you put in the net, and they really just weren't able to do it, and that wasn't, you know, it wasn't like they just ran into some goalie that was just, out of his mind they just didn't put any pressure on him they didn't make it hard on him uh i grew up in an era not that old oh, i am uh, i grew up in an era though and in a region that you know hey if you lost was there any goonery do we have any fights <laughs> now fights have mostly been cut out we cut down in the sport did we almost have one we did have one but even the fight was disappointing because kyle clifford old rival of the golden knights he's because he played in the kings for a long time uh he he was uh, he ran over reeves in the corner reeves was not happy he got up and he said something, and then Clifford's like, "All right, let's go." And like, okay, you're gonna fight Reeves, you're gonna get destroyed. But then he just like grabs onto him, like he's the one that challenged him to the fight essentially. And then he just grabs on, and Reeves is throwing right hands trying to separate himself. But basically, Clifford's just trying to hold, like hold on and clutch and grab, like he's Conor McGregor boxing. Uh, it was it was just awful. Not a great fight, but so Reeves definitely won it. So disappointing across the board. Yeah, not not there was nothing, you know, nothing special to take out of the game. You know, I like talking baseball on the field. Love fantasy baseball. Love betting baseball. But right now, there's a a story that's dominating baseball, and that is the uh, All Star Game being pulled from Atlanta. It's turned into a big time partisan issue. Uh, you know, there are a lot of folks who are really pissed off at baseball. There's you know threats out there about antitrust exemption. Being pulled, you know, the other day was the the grand proclamation that uh, corporations and businesses should, you know, keep their beaks out of business or out of uh, politics, stay out of politics, unless you're going to give us money. Yeah. Uh, 
all of that's going down. It's it's certainly not resolved. There's a lot of discussion. I think discussions are good. Uh, Xavier Pope's coming up here on a Thursday. He always joins us in the 2 o'clock hour, and we'll get his take on what led to uh, baseball pulling the uh, the whole dealio, the all-star game from Georgia, and uh, what initially went down in Georgia in terms of voting legislation. Anytime the Golden Knights are on TV, watch the game at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7s and grab your 77-cent Bud Light bottles. Now, back to the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7s with Cofield and Company. Live here from Silver 7s, it is Cofield and Company. we got a ton of baseball up on the William Hill board and playing in front of us right now. Uh, on the field, important, but really off the field has been the news this week with uh, Major League Baseball pulling out of Georgia with its All-Star game. Xavier Pope is with us, our legal analyst, our cultural analyst. Xavier, I want you to explain what's changed in terms of voting access in Georgia. And I know you believe, you know, a lot of this recent stuff has been building the last few years. Georgia attempted and has now passed the bill to be able to restrict early voting, to restrict um, how you vote. If you want to mail in a vote, you have to send an ID twice. All of these different actions, people will say, well, you need a voter ID, you know, give all this crap. But the issue is Republicans have studied how black people vote. We, we talked about the whole the Sundays to the polls and, and how many African-Americans, 37 percent of African-Americans voted on, you know, vote on, on, on uh, of that particular day voting on Sunday. And so it's not about the specific issues. It's, hey, we're going to look at what you know, the culture around how you bring people to the ballot box is not the same for everyone. And we're going to attack those mechanisms. And then we're going to claim that they're neutral. We're going to talk about how they're based on something that's not true. Voter fraud. It's a lie. It's it, We know it's a lie. It's lost 65 times in court. But these, these laws are still forging ahead anyway. Georgia passed this law. And we all know that prior to just recently, in recent memory, Section 4B uh, to preclearance required certain states to be able to have, before they even passed any sort of legislation in relation to voting, they had to have be reviewed by the Department of Justice and in the D.C. District Court of Appeals. And so this was taken away. And so it allows states like Texas and states like Georgia uh, and states like places like North Carolina. There's a long list of places that had to have preclearance before they passed certain laws. They don't have to do that anymore. So they can go forge ahead and because they had a history of racism. Well, guess what? They just reinstituted that racism in a modern sense. And so um, the conversation is not only about what they did and how Major League Baseball responded to it and how Republicans have responded to it and how the right has responded to it. But it's also now this conversation with Joe Manchin. Joe Manchin talks about not, he wrote an op-ed that came out today and say he's not going to get rid of the filibuster. He doesn't want to get rid of the filibuster. Well, the filibuster is is, is a tool that is preventing a, a more comprehensive Voting Rights Act to restore the Section 4B clearance and making it more applicable to modern ways that Jim Crow laws are being applied. And so I applaud Major League Baseball for stepping up early and saying that we're not going to be here for this, especially if you're going to honor Hank Aaron, who had death threats, who kept the death threat letters up to the day of his death because he wanted to remind what he had to go through to be able to just to break a record. Hmm. Um, and so we're still we're seeing some of these old ghosts of racist past rearing their head in this country 
And it's a really challenging time for our country. And I, 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 I really commend Major League Baseball for, for stepping up. I truly do. Xavier Pope is with us. He's our legal insider, cultural analyst. He's out of Chicago. We're talking about all the anger around, uh, and it's a very divisive issue around Major League Baseball pulling the All-Star game out of Georgia. I've made the case on air that I, I would have preferred Georgia, uh, Major League Baseball to stay on the ground in Georgia and actually get in grassroots efforts to try to make a change. Am I wrong on that? Is there a bigger impact to saying, you know what, we're not doing business there, or, you know what, I'll give you a third option, not, not like you need one, but can baseball pull out their business but also go still go back into Georgia and try to fight on the side that they feel is right? Major League Baseball should have, should have threatened to pull the All-Star game out before the bill was passed, and the bill would not have been passed. It's that simple. Really? Um, yes, Coca-Cola and, and, and Delta Airlines, who released – Kind of timid statements before the bill, when bill was introduced, decided to put stronger statements after it had been passed. You can't wait till the bill is passed. Now it's hard to undo the law. Um, they needed to be able to put the pressure before this started. Same thing that goes for the state of Texas, which has 48 bills on the docket, 48 to be able to for voter suppression. And so uh, and so before these bills are even passed, now those other states are put on notice. Will they pass these bills? We don't know. But I think it's important right now that economic pressure is applied to some of these states, um, particularly in post, you know, post-COVID, where businesses are now changing how they operate. Just slapping money on the rent or in factory is just not a way to do business anymore. Um, businesses are looking to be smarter and states that are more proactive about keeping, keeping employees safe, they're keeping the public safe, and also having politics that are more progressive. Um, that's part of the, the calculation now corporations are looking to make. And if you're putting pressure on uh, on states with that type of um, uh, type of action, <laughs> I, we would have saw a different outcome. I, I truly believe that. You made some comments on uh, Charles Barkley a couple of days ago, and I guess Barkley came out and said he supported Major League Baseball doing what it did, right? Well, I mean, he, Charles Barkley, you know, the damage is done. I mean, after the fact, we just talked about this two seconds ago. You know, you, you have to be mindful of the words that you speak. And Charles Barkley was being shown a video that was about Robert F. Kennedy announcing in the city of Indianapolis where the Final Four was being held, he announced to the crowd that Martin Luther King was, had been assassinated. And, you know, this is a really uh, famous clip that we, many of us have seen it over and over and over again where the crowd audibly gasps at the news. Uh, and after being shown that, Charles Barkley stated that both parties were seeking that for money and power and, and, and that they were looking to make black and white people hate each other. This zero-sum both sides is a game that muddies the water. And right away, see, the da- reason why I said the damage is done, Steve, no one's talking about Charles Barkley stepping up and ch- maybe changing what he thought later. Everyone talked about what he initially had done. And then right-wing media and politicians rent and, rent and ran with it, went to fundraise off of it, went to propagandize off of it. And so that's why it's dangerous because the first, it's like, the, it's like uh, in, in any sport, the ref, whoever, whoever, where the ref blows the whistle at, that's where the flag is thrown. Yep. And so and that's what people are going to pay attention to, not something that happens um, after the fact. Yeah, I think it's really important for uh, people to really think through the repercussions, yeah. the impact of their first statement. Now, this one's interesting, though. 
on this whole uh, game that's developed since Major League Baseball pulled out with the All-Star game in Georgia, we first heard uh, Mitch McConnell say, you know what, corporations, you stay out of politics. And then people were like, wait a second. Years ago, you were defending the rights of poli- or, uh, corporations to be in politics, especially with donations. Now he's rescinded the statement, you know, basically saying, hey, I, you know, that was overreaching on my part. How do we, how do we react to this? This stick to whatever, because it's been going on for like eight years now on social media. It's in the real world. You know, we, obviously, we always get it. You know, if you're in sports, you know, stick to sports. You can't have an opinion on something else. How do you react to, you know, stick to corporating or whatever the word was, stick to business and stay out of politics? It is amazing for politicians whose lifeblood is getting money from powerful corporations uh, when they don't agree on an issue to say stick to your business. Like, what are you nuts? Come on. We're going to we're going to call you on the carpet. This is ridiculous. Miss McConnell, remember, he needed donations. Yeah. He's like, oh, crap. That's right. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Oh, wait, I do need money to be able to right. run a campaign and to get elected right. to office. So I'm sorry, corporations. Um, I want to be able to he wanted to make, make sure he cherry picked his fight. Right. With the corporations he doesn't like. And so he want to have a blanket statement and say corporations stay out of politics. The corporations that I don't like should stay out of politics. Right. Xavier Pope's with us. He's our legal analyst. Uh, cultural analysts. We get into these great discussions. We got another one. We got a really uh, good active debate going on, uh, discussion going on. Draymond Green made some statements about women and women's pay, and it came off initially as, hey, you know what? We're tired of hearing you're complaining. What have you really done behind the scenes, you know, to make things work, to get support? And then Megan Rapino from, you know, U.S. soccer fame fired back and basically was like, first of all, we should all be on the same side. I mean, you know, as a, as, a, as an oppressed group, you should be with us. And she said, we, we have been doing this stuff. You're not informed. What do you make of what's going on here? In the end, is this going to be a good thing? Because I think they're on the same side. But Draymond Green and Megan Rapino right now are not connecting. Yeah, Draymond Green basically, like a Charles Barkley, and he's, that's pretty much the position he's going to hold after he, get, he retires from sports. I mean, we see that's the path that Draymond Green is going to go. Um, is that he Draymond against Draymond says the most ridiculous thing possible, gets attention for it, and people get to talk back and forth of it, and because of that, it, it makes some money after the game of basketball. That's let's, let's make that pretty clear. The second portion is when you he's he's fine having a platform for saying things that may be unpopular, and so we have to be able to make sure we understand that. Now Draymond Green, what he said was 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 very short sighted because and it was very. It was, it's a man, basically, acting like a man. Um, when you have a blind spot to a marginalized community, you know the advantages that you enjoy, you don't really see them for other people because you are too busy enjoying your own advantages as a male athlete. When there are avenues for women to get paid more, and we're seeing women step up to be able to, to do that. And so to tell people with, that are not in a position where they have equity to say, shut up, is ridiculous. When we there wouldn't be two Georgia Senate seats that got flipped without the WNBA. Let's make that really clear. We may not necessarily have had an election that was flipped if it wasn't for the WNBA. So women's voices have been heard very loud and they've had a significant impact on our politics in our country. So yes, Draymond Green may be on women's side ultimately, but it's that first statement like we just talked about you have to be smart about the things that come out of your mouth. 
think before you speak, Draymond. And to repeat what you just said, that first statement then empowers people who don't want to listen and are just looking for someone from the oppressed group to go, look at that person agrees with me. Yeah. Can't you can't you can't unfur- you can't unfurl that you can't bring it back. I mean, I I hope they have discussions. I hope there's a platform where Megan Rapinoe and Draymond Green are face to face, and I think it'll be a great discussion. By the way, Megan Rapinoe is brilliant. I I hope she rises to you know some really prominent level of leadership because she just she gets it. She speaks her mind. Um, she's well thought out, uh, and she she understands the platform she's got. She's a badass, yo. Um, Megan Rapino is is one of the smartest uh, women we have out there, one of the smartest people we have in professional sports or outside of professional sports um, and using her platform to be able to make an actual difference in society and recognizing her leadership and stepping into it um, unapologetically. Um, and so I'm, she is a very brave woman and uh, we can learn a lot from someone like her and she's a great leader. Xavier Pope's going to stick with us. We're coming back on Cofield and Company. A lot of important issues to get to, including... We have another Disney cancellation of an entertainer, Paul Pierce. Did he get canceled? And if he did, where are all you cancel bros taken up for Paul Pierce and fighting the fight for Paul Pierce? With 77 cent Bud Light bottles, Golden Knights hockey game nights are great at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino. Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7's. It's Cofield and Company. Brad Silver Sevens, live on this Thursday. Let's continue this conversation. So many cool things to get into today with Xavier Pope. All right, the Paul Pierce situation is really interesting. Uh, I don't know that Paul Pierce has taken it very seriously. I saw the other night Shaq couldn't even mention the name of Paul Pierce. He started laughing. Um, I want you to is, is there a seriousness to this? Disney ESPN dump Paul Pierce after the IG post, the video, you got women twerking in the background, he's smoking a blunt. Are some of us taking this too lightly? First, um, Paul Pierce and ESPN agreed to part ways. So it wasn't, they didn't dump him. So I think it's important. We don't know necessarily what the the arrangement was. They could have bought him out of his agreement. He could have walked away. And we don't even know whether he wanted to walk away and chose to just blow the whole place up on the way out. We don't know what's going on with his marriage. Um, and I, I've seen it before. Guys going through a divorce, they start to turn up like never before and just, you know, they just throw caution to the wind and, and they do something that rhymes with bucket list. Yeah. Um, and so I think that this is what we're seeing. And I think in a, a guy like Paul Pierce, who's acting completely unbothered, who knows what he's had to deal with and what his situation is. So I think that's important to remember from his personal side. He does have a family. He does have a wife. He does have kids. And so... We have to be really sensitive to what may be going on in that relationship, um, potentially. The second thing is, is uh, the cancel bros, the cancel culture people that may say they don't want their guy canceled, but Paul Pierce gets canceled. I don't know whether there's an equivalent there. Um, I, from what I saw, you know, you saw folks over at uh, even uh, Barstool celebrating Paul Pierce. And, and, and so I think some of the bros actually like what they're seeing for Paul Pierce. Yeah. Uh, we even saw, you know, a different a porn site offer him two hundred and fifty thousand dollars to to dance in front of strippers, and so I think this plays into the hands of what the council pros actually do like to see is men be boorish and act a certain way. Um, are we taking this too lightly? I don't know. I mean, this is this is a you know he's a public figure. Um, this is his life. I mean, 
could talk about women and the twerking and all of that, but these women were paid and supposedly, and we want to talk about um, sex workers and, and, and legalizing sex work and, and taking away the shame from sex work. So there's that conversation <laughs> at the same token, a backdrop of misogyny. So it's, it, it, is it misogyny if women are choosing to take that path and they want to be able to pay to twerk? And should we give them, them that right to, 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 to do that and act that way and not have anyone label it as some sort of um, lascivious behavior? So I think that's the kind of push and pull of a lot of these different topics. I love nuance. And so I'm going to speak from a perspective of nuance, but um, I'm, I'm just sitting you know, out to Paul Pierce and his family and, and, and hopefully whatever is going on in his life gets amicably resolved. I know you said a couple of weeks ago you weren't very much into the NCAA tournament. You know, the uh, the misuse, mistreatment of the athletes has kind of turned you off. College basketball is a crazy world, a crazy world. And for different reasons, we've had a lot of turnover, even with a, a COVID-affected season. We've had a lot of turnover with college basketball coaching. I, I could see during the year, Xavier, some of the older coaches, some of the legends of the game, we're really getting worn down by, you know, uh, players fighting just for their right to stay safe. You know, guys making statements about basically players being pansies. You know, they don't really love the game. Um, so we had one of the old guard guys go bye-bye in Roy Williams. He walked. North Carolina's got to hire a new coach. They bring in Hubert Davis. He's already on the bench. He's a North Carolina legend. He's an NBA, former NBA player. He holds a press conference, and I wanted to play this comment for you. Um, he's asked a question about the significance of an African-American getting the North Carolina job. I mean, it is, you know what, it is significant. Actually, before I play the bite, before we play the bite here, um, I want you to react just to the significance of Hubert Davis getting the job. Uh, I believe he's the fourth African-American coach just overall in any sport to be a head coach at North Carolina, and you are on Tobacco Road, aptly named Tobacco Road. Yeah, uh, it, it's a significant accomplishment, and, and that's the place where Michael Jordan played. That, that's the first thing that comes to mind is some of the best athletes that ever played the game that are African-American but never had an African-American coach at, at UNC. And you also um, see that their story rivalry with Duke is one of the most story rivalries in sport to have an African-American coach there leading that program. And it's leading any program uh, with the, the dearth of African-Americans leading um, teams in college basketball and college football. Um, and so what Hubert Davis has done to step into that role is significant. Um, and they, it, it goes to show that African-Americans can be leaders and they could design offenses and defenses and lead, lead young men and, and have successful programs. We saw, you know, Juwan Howard was questioned in terms of stepping into this role and Michigan immediately became successful. They didn't win the tournament, but they, they were able to take a few strides in the tournament and have a, a number one seed. And so, you, we've seen young African-American coaches step into their jobs and perform successfully. It's significant. Um, I know that in terms of Division One head coaches all around the country, only 26% of the head coaches for Division One men's basketball are compromised by minorities, specifically African-Americans. I know that it is significant that I'm the fourth African-American head coach in any sport in the history of the University of North Carolina. I'm very proud to be African-American, but I'm also very proud that my wife is white and I'm very proud that my three beautiful, unbelievable kids are a combination of both of us. That was odd. And I, and I questioned and I talked about this on my Twitter page at Xavier Pope, um, where I said that it's, it's OK to be proud of your wife. So OK to be happy to have married this woman and have your beautiful children. You're, you're free to marry whoever you want. Perfect. 
Um, but in order to, to, to speak about the history that you've made and put it in a context of marrying a white woman, it what it speaks to is him attempting to both sides his historic accomplishment when no one asked him to do that. His accomplishment becoming that first, the first African-American coach of, of UNC is a wholly separate matter from his personal decision to choose to marry a white woman. And I thought that there's a society that literally our presence, African-American presence, triggers racist in society. So that, that causes us to be shot and killed in the streets, to not get jobs, to, you know, from our hair, not being allowed to keep jobs. What this speaks to is just my presence threatens people. So let me uh, let everyone know that I'm less threatening by saying I'm married to a white woman. To me, that's very troubling. Um, and basically maybe signals to the university donors and boosters. I'm not that type of black person. I'm not the black person that's going to cause you any problems. I'm here for the historical accomplishment, but I'm not here for black people. And I think that's something that's um, troubling. And I don't think it was necessary for him to say it or for him to do. And I thought it was frankly irresponsible of the position he was just, he just took. And it took away from his entire accomplishment. Now he has to live under the shadow of how he got there. I think that once he just, once he wins some games, I think that this will probably wash away what happened before. But it, it, it leaves a bad taste in the mouths of many people who were happy to see him get that job. Xavier Pope is with us here on Cofield and Company. Uh, I saw you send out the video of, I don't know, did you look up the species or what this animal was? Uh, it appears to be, uh, I get. I mean, I don't know where, even where it is. You know where it was? Was it, is it Southeast Asia? There, it's Komodo it, dragon, right? Okay, I get. I don't, dude. I don't. I don't know. You're in Chicago. I grew up in New Jersey. Like dragon, Komodo. I I have no idea what it is, <laughs> but it's just this giant lizard-looking thing that looks like it's like five feet long. It's climbing all over a grocery store, and I've had a bunch of people ask me like, "What would you do?" I don't know what I would do if that if that thing starts going after like women and children and you want to get all chivalrous and do the right thing. Do you do it? Are you going over and freaking wrestling, you know, Mr. Komodo Dragon? That thing went up, crawled up a, a, a shelf of food like nothing. <laughs> yep. That's number one. Number two, when it got to the top, it kind of chilled out. Yeah. Like it was a like it was a nest or something. So yeah. I thought that was really fascinating. What I'm what I would do. Is let the thing hang out there. Yeah. Um, get the heck out of there. Tell everyone else to get the heck out of there, and then call animal control. I'm not fighting a komodo dragon. I have, I have no idea what its skill set is. That you know, every komodo dragon has a different fighting skill. They fight each other. You know, one wins, one loses. So hey, I'm not putting up my. I don't. I have not sized up the opponent. I don't. We haven't <laughs> had. We haven't stepped to the weigh-in. You know, I don't know his strengths and weaknesses. I haven't even. I don't even have any tape on this guy other than what we've seen. So, I, I, you know, I, I got I to take my chances and get the heck out of there. You know, I want to say I'm going to flash my Komodo dragon knowledge. I'm, I want to say that they're herbivores, but, like, that doesn't really matter if your hand is bitten off. You know what I mean? Like, wait, I thought this thing doesn't like meat. Oh, where's my hand? Okay. Yeah, there are plenty of herbivores that would kick your ass. Okay. So. <laughs> That's a good point. So was a panda. You fighting a panda? No. Yeah. You're so, you're saying vegans of all species can be dangerous. That damn right they can be. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Xavier, tell people what you got up on Suit Up News. Hey, coming up on the next episode of Suit Up News, go to hashtag Suit Up News. Um, go to Xavier Pope's timeline on Twitter. E X A V I R P O P E. 
we're talking about the latest in the Derek Chauvin trial um, for the murder of George Floyd and its impact in society. Good deal. Thank you, Xavier. We appreciate it. Love you, man. There he is, Xavier Pope. We love you too, Xavier. And so does the audience. Xavier Spot today is brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers 5709000. You want into the Cofield Inner Circle? It's all about trust. So when I'm facing legal issues or need legal advice, I only turn to my guys over at Battleborn Injury Lawyers, Dustin Watkins, Matt Hoffman. And we care about you folks, the listeners. So we're not going to recommend that you turn to anyone to handle your critical legal problems. There's no one better in Las Vegas than Justin and Matt Hoffman and the team at Battleborn Injury Lawyers. If you're facing a tough situation, you got legal questions, get Justin or Matt on the phone right now. 570-9000. That's 570-9000. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver Settlements, it's Cofield and Company. Call him today at 577-2600. Trust us. Yes, Dustin DeHart is here. It's Cofield. All right, Dustin, we got some big things on the housing market to get into. It's amazing. If I had talked to you, uh, you know, two years ago about this and said, hey, at some point, the median home price in Vegas is going to be north, like well north of $350,000, you would have laughed me out of the room. Uh, 100%. And we are well north of that right now. Yeah. It's crazy. 363,000. 363,000 is our median resale price. Uh, we went up from 355 from last month. We're up from 315 from this from last year at this month. So that's 14%. Yeah, I mean, and, and honestly, Steve, remember when I was coming in there and right when the, you know, the everything shut down, the coronavirus and I basically told and and not just me, pretty much every real estate person out there said it's not a matter of how much we go down or if we go down it's how much we go down and all of us were completely wrong not only did we not go down we hit five records last year we've hit three records this year already it's march so every every single month we've we've climbed up to a new record we're at 363,000 which is just staggering number and it's just simple supply and demand there's 1700 homes for sale right now 1700 what know, and we that's it. That's we, it. We we so we're at basically a three week supply of houses right now to buy. A, it's it's a staggering, I and mean, it's there's no nothing that's coming down the, the pipeline that really will show me that we're going to increase our supply to where it needs to be. You know, there's people coming out of forbearance here soon and stuff like that. But yeah, the demand is through the roof as well. That's what's really driving up these prices you know obviously we had these like record low rates rates have ticked up a little bit but they're still really low and it's really creating a sense of urgency for everybody because our purchase apps have gone through the roof i mean we literally we have 10 people every single day that fill out an application that are trying to buy a house and you know unfortunately some of them have no shot it's just it's really you know, it's disheartening for a lot of people, but, you know, they, they see what's going on with property values. They see these low rates, you know, because at the end of the day, there's a shortage of houses for rentals as well. So if we just we don't have enough houses and then you look at the new home sales, they can't keep up. The cost of lumber, Steve, has gone through the roof. Construction is just it's doubled from what it was uh, about a year ago just because of covid. So they're, they've had their best year since 2007. 
but they'd build a lot more if it wasn't so expensive. So it's just, it's a crazy time in the real estate market right now. It, it really is. Dustin Hart is with us. So it's a boom time for a lot of people, but it's been really rough for a lot of people over the last 13 months. And that includes sure. renters, many of whom couldn't pay rent for a long time. We've had a moratorium. Uh, it's yep. extended. Where are we going with renters and landlords? And how does this affect yeah. the market moving forward? Well, so the CDC did extend the moratorium for three more months. Governor Sisolak only extended ours in uh, Nevada for two months. And he did say he's not extending it anymore. I, I do believe him. But, yeah, it's uh, it's created a, a lot of pressure on landlords. You know, like, you know, most people think, oh, well, it's, it's, you know, somebody owns a rental property. They make a ton of money. Well, that's not quite the case. You know, there's a lot of people that depend on that rental income to just to live. You know, and then there's. You know, people that have a, a rental property with a home loan on it and, you know, they depend on that rental income to pay that home loan. So it's, right. you know, now look at the other side of the story. There's people that can't make their payments because they've lost their job. So they do need some relief. But as you know, and I know, there's a ton of people that take advantage of this. And that's, you know, that, that's the unfortunate part of this. If it just helped the people that truly needed it, I get it. You know, but I've talked to a lot of HOA uh, managers, people that own a lot of rental properties, and they know these people are working, they can make the payments, and they're just refusing not to. And it's even created kind of a mess too, uh, Steve, where you know a seller nowadays, usually they're buying another property, right? So they're selling their house, they're buying another home. Now, in the old days, you know, we, we, you could structure it where, okay, I'll sell you this property, but I want to rent mine back for a month or two until I buy my other property. Well, it's, it's created a, a, a schism for that as well, because the buyer for that property is like, well, I'm not going to rent it back. What if they just they like the moratorium and they don't ever leave? You know what I mean? So it's it's created a huge disaster for the real estate market. But it's two more months. Hopefully, more people are back to work. They can start making their payments. We're not kicking people out of houses. There is some relief for them. You know, people that did have a home loan, they could elect to go to Fort Barrett. So, you know, so there is uh, relief on both ends. But uh, I'm glad to see this finally, finally end and, and get, get back to normal on the rental market. Dustin Hart is with us from Nova Home Loans. Yep, it's Nova Home Loans. 577-2600 is the number. Uh, it's an interesting time if you're a first-time buyer. You know, I see people, you know, younger people in their 20s joke all the time, like it's impossible to buy a house. Now, those who can buy a house, uh, it seems like there's been a boom recently of single female buyers. I saw a story on Forbes about that. Uh, are you seeing that development or is Vegas such a unique market because there's just no inventory you can't even gauge you know uh, any special demo that's getting in as a first-time buyer well let's face it women are uh, smarter than men and they got their you know what together better than us right but yeah I do see you know look I, at the end of the day I do see more younger professional women buying that are single than men um, I did read that as well and and if you do read the whole thing it said you know Vegas out of the 50 metropolitan areas that were uh, th that they did that on Vegas was the lowest it was only like one percent which did equal to like 1800 homes you know so throughout the time that they've uh, that they've done this data but uh, yeah I, you know look I don't know about you but when I was 20 years old <laughs> like I could barely I could barely manage my checkbook let alone buy a house so you know look women uh, they get it. I do see more women than, than young men buying houses. But yeah, first time home buyers, they, they have a uphill battle trying to get an offer accepted nowadays. It is not fun. And they are they are getting disgruntled. And it's uh, it's just months and months of trying to make offers and overbidding. It's 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 really disheartening for some of them that should be able to buy a house, but just can't right now because of the crazy market we're in. But don't give up. Call yeah. the folks at Nova Home Loans. Because, well, here's the thing. 
uh, 577-2600. You call in. You guys can at least walk through people with the uh, you know with their possibilities, and they may discover something they didn't realize, or they may get a dose of reality, which is also a good thing. So you can kind of set yourself up for the next couple of years. Like, what sort of money do I need to make? What do I need to save? What do I need as a down payment? What is realistic for me to shoot for as a target? You know, uh, you know, me thinking that I can afford, you know, some four thousand square foot home. Maybe right. you know, wait, like it's that you do need experts to check in on this stuff. I'll, t- I'll tell you this: if there is a role model out there, there are there are celebrities who are doing really well with real estate, and we talk about Tom Brady and Giselle. I had no idea Sandra Bullock is this real estate maven. Uh, there was a story the other day that she had. Uh, just bought a three million dollar property in Beverly Hills. That was her seventeenth property. Yeah, look, I know a lot of people that own you know ten, fifteen, twenty rental properties, but that's here in Vegas, not in Beverly Hills. Apparently, Sandra's not uh, too worried about the uh, rent moratorium. <laughs> she can handle it, right? Uh, you know, like that's a that's a high end place to be buying rental properties. I'm, I'm guessing it's more for spec. You know what I mean? Like, I I would assume she's obviously renting some of those out, but it's more the you know, she sees the writing on the wall with the with how prices are going up, and she's buying these houses, thinking she can cash in a ton of money down the road. And I, I can't fault her for thinking it's a wise move to invest in real estate right now, especially with you know the craziness that's going on in the equity market. So you know that you think that's going to come down here soon, but I've been saying that for ten years. So don't don't right. listen to me for investment advice. But go buy a house if you're a first time home buyer. We can help you out, as Steve alluded to. We can even give you an approval letter that'll stand out it's almost as good as cash we will help you get your offer accepted dustin good job 577-2600 is the number over nova home loans call up for the mortgage uh, tune-up or uh, get a gauge on what's going on in terms of uh, selling your house or buying a new one it's 577-2600 dustin you're awesome thank you thanks sir nova home loans dustin DeHart. the number is 577-2600 three o'clock hours on the way we get into a bunch of football including another update on the latest for the nfl draft as Austin Gale from Pro Football Focus will check in and we'll talk about this year's running back class. Trust Us is presented by Dustin DeHart at Nova Home Loans. Call today at 577-2600 to learn how to purchase a home with $20,000 in down payment assistance. Dial up Dustin now, 577-2600.